Welcome to the Business of Criminal Law. My name is Josh Barron. I started my legal career as a prosecutor for Salt Lake City. I knew it was time for me to leave when I was doing a DUI trial and I was looking across the room at the defense attorney. He was a well-known DUI defense attorney and he was just doing a fantastic job. And I knew the evidence in my case and I was rooting for my opponent. I was rooting for him to win. I was going to be embarrassed if we won this case. And that's when I realized, you know, maybe I'm not the best fit for criminal prosecution. Uh, my guest today is Allison Saros. She had a similar experience where she was prosecuting a young man for stealing a $50 bike. And uh, because it had been in a garage, it became a very serious crime. And that led her to realize that she needed to make a change. Allison's practice is very different from mine. She focuses much more on sort of social work and solving all of the problems that have led to uh, her clients being in criminal trouble. Um, she initially, I felt a little bit guilty that I don't do more of that, but she was quick to say, no, that's not right for everybody, but it is right for me. So I was really inspired by her vision for her practice, how unique her practice is, and how focused she is on the things that she can do uniquely well to to help her clients. I hope that you find her interview with me as helpful as I did. I learned a great deal from her and I hope you enjoy it. So I was a law, an adjunct law professor at the time. I was teaching this great class called Criminal Law and Practice. And while I was a law professor for a large period of time, I was running what in LA, we call our EDP court, our early disposition court. So it's our felony arraignment, felony disposition, kind of first DA who gets a crack at the file to try to see what we could do to you know, resolve the case at the mm -hmm. earliest stage. Um, I had upwards of 60, 70, 80, 90 cases a day sometimes. And mm -hmm. I kept seeing these very young you know, adults who were in their early, in their late teens, um, early twenties, just getting slammed with situations that they, they had no control of, whether it was socioeconomic or societal. Um, and to give you an example, I turned around and I had a, a 18 year old kid from Compton who grew up, you know, with the most incredible mother in the world who kept him out of gun uh, drugs and gangs and, guns and all of that. And mm. he was a rising D1 football player off to a D1 school on a scholarship. Mm. And he was hanging with some buddies over the week, you know, over the summer. And the group of them stole a bike from a garage and that was open and the garage, the bike was worth 50 bucks, but because mm. the garage was attached to the house, they, and he was the only one who was over 18. The rest of them were juveniles. He got charged with a residential burglary mm. and it derailed him. And I turned around in the courtroom that day, just one of many cases. And the courtroom was packed mm. and the mayor of Compton was there and the community had come out and they were just talking about the egregiousness and the disproportionality of this filing. Mm. And I realized I needed to do something to kind of get to these teenagers at a younger age. And mm. so I turned to the dean of the law school where I was teaching and I said, will you write me a letter of recommendation? I want to go back to school and get my master's in teaching mm. and work with high school kids. And he said, you're a professor. Why do you want to become a teacher? <laughs> and so I segued and instead I ended up starting in the classroom as a teacher and ended up graduating with my master's in education psychology. And I became a licensed school counselor. So mm. I dug into the trenches at the middle school and high school level and really started working with these kids, which was very rewarding. 
Um, but then I started to miss being a lawyer as well. Mm. And so at the direction of one of my mentor professors, she said, we need you to go into private practice because there isn't anyone who understands the schools and the teenagers and who also mm. understands criminal law. So that's what I did. So that's the, so is, is that sort of a focus of your criminal practice now, those kind of sort of juvenile and young adults? Um, do you work with them a lot or how does that work? I, I, it's a very large part of my practice. And mm. I would say I work with criminal defendants with mental health issues. So I take uh, a very counseling approach. So I have a lot of clients that are adults, um, but I'm always approaching it from a restorative justice uh, counseling perspective. Cause I truly believe that everyone, you know, with the right help and the right supports can affect change and move on from their situation. So we do a lot of post-conviction work. We do a lot of mental health diversion, judicial mm. diversion, the, you know, vet, veterans court, things that are going to allow individuals not just to resolve their criminal case, but really prevent them from cycling back in the system. Ah, that's beautiful. What a great and powerful kind of mission. I think a lot of people, probably myself included, basically went to law school because there's no math on the LSAT and then kind of stumbled into criminal law. So to have such a kind of mission that, that you feel passionate about, that's beautiful. Allison helped me gain a valuable insight into why I've been able to achieve some of the success that I have. Uh, my business partner, Yosef Sharifi, just made me so much more capable than I would have been without him. My paralegal, Laya, has been with me for many years and has helped us address many emergencies and uh, helped me learn how to do new parts of my practice. Um, so I, I often get asked about the tools that I use, and I'll usually respond by telling them about you know, what kind of laptop I use and uh, what kind of case management software I use. But Allison had a very different answer to that. And uh, I really appreciate her sharing this part. To me, this was one of the great nuggets of our conversation. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um, it seems, you know, I, I, something that I'm noticing, and tell me what you think about this, is that when I've been asking about tools, I expect you to say something like, I use Clio, I use uh, Outlook, or whatever it is. And um, you keep coming back to relationships, it seems like. So you talked about this networking group that you have, you talked about Courtney, you talked about this bookkeeping genius that uh, keeps you on track. Um, do you, is that right? Do you think that that's been kind of a, a source of, is that where your strength comes from? Or maybe am I, am I misstating that? I think you are spot on, mm. right? It's, it's, it's the relationships that, that make me who I am, um, make my practice what it is. Um, and I think that's the approach we take with our clients um, I think the big change between prosecution and defense, if I can kind of analogize to exactly what you're saying, is that it's not just about the case itself or the charge itself. It's really about how do we help them with all their aspects of their life, right? Mm -hmm. Is this job related? Is there a licensing issue? Is there a marriage issue? Is there, you know, what do we have going on? And so you're only as good as the relationships you have. Mm. And, you know, this week we had, we had several calls um, for new potential cases and on, on three of them, if I'm not mistaken, Courtney, um, they said, you're the first person who really explained to me how it worked and what was going to happen. Everyone else just wanted to talk about money. Mm. And so I think, you know, to the, to my detriment, that's, 
the hard part is, is mm. that I do care more about the person than I do about the money. Mm. And then on the back end address, okay, how do I keep the, the you know, the lights on? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's really interesting. Um, it seems to me that like kind of comparing your practice to mine, yours is, I would say a little bit more holistic and might even blend into sort of social work in certain cases. Yes. Do you think that's right? Where mine, I'm yeah, pretty I'm, I'm I, counseling curve. Yeah. I kind of, I tell my clients like I'm good at one thing and it's solving this type of problem. And I, you know, which therapist should I use? And I'm like, I don't know. Where do you like people live all over the place. They have so many different needs. I've just never really uh, kind of put in the time to get good at that. Um, do you think, do you think that that is something that every attorney should do? Like, should I change my practice? You've kind of maybe inspired me to think about changing my practice into more of yours. What, what are your thoughts about that? Um, I think you need to do what's right for you mm-hmm. and what works for you in all aspects of your life. Right. So um, I'm, I'm fortunate in a situation where I have a husband who also has a full-time job and, and we can generate, you know, dual incomes. Um, and so I can spend more time. Mm with the clients in order to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the big push to create and allow for these restorative justice solutions is, is where we're going and where it should be going. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people look at me and they say, well, why did you go get your counseling degree if you were going to go back, you know, to practicing criminal law? And I tell them I use it every day. Mm. I use it every single day in my practice, whether it's kind of understanding where the individual is coming from or where their spouse is coming from. Um, It just blends its way into the situation and it allows for, you know, just a different approach to the case. And, and so, you know, I, I, I don't want to say other people should do it, but it's, it's the way I do it because it's what I love to do. And I want to help them become better people, not just fix their criminal case. That's beautiful. That's exciting. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I got to think that that kind of mission-based approach um, helps you kind of screen out certain clients that that's not kind of what they're about and helps you find employees who are on, you know, because a lot of like, if you look at criminal defense lawyers, websites, you could basically change the names and most of them are completely interchangeable, but not yours. Like I couldn't put my face on your website. Like it would say things that are not true and that I do not want to do. So um, do you, do you find that um, exciting, scary? How do you feel about the idea of having that kind of distinctive kind of voice and brand when you're speaking to clients? I, I, I think it's incredibly valuable. I think it's either a fit or it's not right. Mm. If they want, you know, a lot of times they come because they're, it's interesting criminal law. They will find you online because they're embarrassed. They don't often want, want to turn to their friends or family members and let them know that something has happened. And so I think those clients that we connect with the most are those who really use us as a sense of you know, for guidance, Mm. because they don't have someone else to run this issue by, right? Mm. They're embarrassed. And so I like, I like having that skill set. I like being able to share that and share just 25 years of doing this, right? It's Mm. not what we learned in law school, right? I mean, I I always say, you know, law school doesn't teach you the law. law. Law school teaches you how to analyze the law from both sides and see the other side, even the side that you disagree with, right? So, you know, I have clients who 
I go in and I say, you, you know, resolving this case is in your best interest. Yeah. And they don't want to do that. And that's, you know, that's their choice. Yeah. But I'm not afraid to tell them what they don't want to hear. Just like when I handle education cases, I'm not opposed to turning to clients and saying, I disagree with you. The school is not in the wrong in this. You're, Mm. you're asking for too much. Mm. And it's the same kind of thing in criminal, right? Mm. We just have to, you may feel this way, but the, what's the end game here? Yeah. Here's the options. Right. Allison, thank you so much for taking the time to share so much of your wisdom with us. Um, You can find Allison on LinkedIn, and that's where I connected with her, or you can look up her website. She's got a great practice and uh, has just shown how powerful a move from criminal prosecution to criminal defense can be. It's not for everyone, but Allison is making it look easy, and I appreciate her sharing her wisdom with us very much.